Hello and welcome to the Medpornium podcast, where we discuss everything medical, from various research articles, case studies, and interviews with healthcare professionals that will yield some benefit to your day-to-day life. In today's episode, we have the honor of working with the Biomed Bros podcast. We will discuss what Medporium is, our mission, how it started, and then talk about advice for high school students and anyone really who is interested in pursuing medicine. All right. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Biomed Bros podcast. We are really excited here, um, and we have our very first guests. Um, they're Medporium, and we're going to give them some time to talk um, in this episode. Um, but first, just um, to kind of open us up, we would like to thank all of the listeners for the support. Um, again, even after our last episode, we've had a lot more listeners, a lot of um, new followers on Instagram. Um, so that's really great. Uh, YouTube as well. So thank you guys so much for the support. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, now in this episode, again, we have the guys from Medporium here, which we're really excited about. And um, they are in high school and they have this platform that they call Medporium. And so we're going to let them talk about that. Um, so go ahead, guys. You can uh, you can take it away from here. Yeah. So um, thank you guys for having us. Um, my name is Erkin Jumayev. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of Medporium, and uh, I'm a senior in high school uh, based in Texas. Hey, Joe. Hey, David. Uh, my name is Jahangir Kareem. I'm a senior at uh, Lake Belton High School, which is located in Temple, Texas. Very cool. Awesome. 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 So tell us about Medporium. What is it? What is the goal? How did you guys start it? Give us the whole story. So, yeah. Um. Medporium basically started through our passion for medicine. Uh, me personally, my passion for medicine grew during the COVID pandemic. And uh, the COVID-19 virus was something very new. And uh, my mom, she was actually a registered nurse. And she would always help patients who were in the uh, COVID-19 facilities. And I was just really interested in how the COVID-19 vaccine just uh, or how the COVID-19 virus just goes into your body and how it damages lungs, damages tissue, and how it can uh, cause certain illnesses. And that's where my passion really grew, just learning about the COVID-19 virus. And over time, I learned about the immune system, how the body sort of reacts to the uh, COVID-19 virus. And it was throughout the COVID pandemic. And then from there, I've um, changed all my classes from sophomore year. I changed them to sort of the med um, healthcare pathway since in our high schools, we could choose which pathway we want to go to such engineering, business, or health. And I chose health. And one of my classes I took was medical terminology. So I think we started school, it was pretty late and because of the COVID pandemic, it was a new school. And I started with medical terminology. And the first unit we learned was the skeletal system. We were learning some medical uh, abbreviations, uh, prefixes, suffixes, and it was just very interesting. And I thought to myself, why don't I just keep learning? I mean, I really enjoy learning about medical terminology. I just enjoy learning about the skeletal system. So it was just this one day where um, I saw my mom's uh, anatomy physiology textbook she used for to become a reg- registered nurse. It was uh, Kennedy Saladin Anatomy Physiology. Um, I think it was sixth edition or something. And I just started reading the skeletal system. And it was just from there, like I learned about osteoclasts and osteoblasts, how they can break bone or 
um, how they can add more bone density. I learned about bone elongation. And from there, I also learned how to take notes properly because it's actually a funny story. But um, I started taking notes by literally copying down the textbook. And I thought hmm. to myself, I mean, th this is not a good way to take notes. So um, sort of read these anatomy physiology textbooks and um, – sort of upgrade my vocabulary, my medical terminology. And I continue to do that for all the systems, skeletal system, circulatory system, uh, urinary system, et cetera. And um, that continued on throughout uh, spring break. And um, I went to Eric's house in uh, spring break just to, just to relax, just have a good time. And I remember he pulled me over to his room and he, taught, he told me about um, this project he's been working on. And um, initially, the project name was Medturio, and I was really interested. He pitched it to me sort of like this. Um, hey, Jahangir, I'm trying to make this tutoring company that is more like Khan Academy, but based for medicine. And um, at first, I thought the idea was far-fetched. I mean, two <laughs> high school students are still in their sophomore year making a tutoring company. I mean, um, how would that even work? But um, Erkin, uh, he persuaded me to um, join uh, Materio, and um, I joined after then. But um, we changed the name because um, during that day, we were moving bricks, and um, that name, Materio, it just sounded so familiar. And we are moving bricks, and I and I found out, oh, he just took the name Lecturio, but put Med, because Lecturio is like another company that does lectures and stuff. So uh, I just, I still tease about, I, I still tease him today about how he sort of took that name. But um, after that, I remember we had to create a new company name because Lecturio, Materio was, oh, we really didn't want to do Materio. So we wanted the name Med to be somewhere. So we literally just searched up um, company name generator and we put Med and then uh, they just showed us a bunch of stuff. There was uh, Med Academy, there was Med... Uh, this and that and um, we saw medporium and i think that's what really caught our attention <laughs> the word uh, medporium i forgot the what porium stands for but it's something of like high stature or um just uh very honorable so we chose the name medporium and um from there erican made the first uh, medporium video just as a test it was a, i believe it was about thermochemistry because he was in um, advanced chemistry and his advanced chemistry was much more advanced than mine, which is kind of weird, but it was just a different curriculum. After that, I just found some free time and I said, why don't I just start making the first anatomy physiology video? And the first one was about the urinary system. So um, I just went on and I chose the urinary system because I want to choose something that would be uh, that invoked my um, passion for medicine, but it was also something that I could test with because um during that time, my real passion was like the circulatory system, the heart, but I didn't really want to uh, risk, I guess, risk or test um, making midpoint videos over heart anatomy, heart physio physiology. So I chose urinary system. And um, I took, uh, during when I was uh, reading the anatomy physiology book, I was taking notes. And from those notes, I was making midpoint videos. And I just took those notes and I put in a slideshow and I just took my dad's AirPods and I just started recording. And it was from then I uh, created more medporium videos. Um, and then throughout, I learned how to edit videos. I learned how to sort of tutor, how to um, improve my public speaking, even though for the public, I just, I kind of felt like uh, I was talking to students. 
And um, after urinary system, it was the summer and I continued on and I wanted to change the metaporting format because slideshows weren't something unique. Like I was looking at Khan Academy or um, there's this YouTuber called or YouTube channel called Organic Chemistry Tutor that I watched for chemistry and most of their videos they use some platform like Notability, OneNote, or something like that, where they have a um, a pen pen tablet, and then they just draw each of the illustrations, and then they draw it and explain it. So I want to do the same thing, and I got Notability, and I did that for genetics and cellular function. I was talking about DNA, and I used Notability to uh, sort of make all those illustrations, and that's where um, I sort of created this uh, format or this. Um, sort of step method to making med porn videos i'd start by researching making a script then creating all these illustrations on notability and then recording it and um, editing it and just went on from there and after genetic cellular and genetics and cellular function it went to immune system and um and after that it was just um it was just from there on we made pathophysiology videos oh. Erkin also made these skeletal system videos but um and then uh Further on, we made some podcast episodes um, that I researched on, such as the first one was about obesity and the obesity epidemic, and the second one was effects of caffeine, because I wanted to make podcast episodes that many people aren't really familiar with, like medical concepts that we know about, but we're not really familiar with. Obesity, uh, we understand it, but we don't understand how detrimental it is, how much of an epidemic it is. And caffeine, many people think caffeine is bad. Many people think caffeine is good. There's always this um, two-sided argument with caffeine so i thought why don't i just make a podcast over caffeine then after that it just uh we blew up we had many views we had a lot of support from my school um many support from erkin's school so uh yeah that's how metaphor really started <clears throat> yeah um similar to Jahangir, uh, my passion also started in um during that summer of covid so summer of 2020 um so my father, he, he suffered a, a medical emergency and which required some help from doctors and stuff. And, you know, <clears throat> at the end of the day, it was, you know, 100%, in my opinion, uh, by the grace of God, you know, he's still here. But there's still <clears throat> those doctors and those nurses. <clears throat> those are the people. Excuse me. <clears throat> those are the people who, you know, comforted me and comforted my family during that time. And so I want to be honest with you guys. Um until my sophomore year, I was like, okay, I'm going to uh, major in business and continue to play basketball through college. I was like, that's what I wanted to do. Nothing's going to change that. But then that sort of instance basically just changed it. And that's what made me want to pursue medicine. And so <clears throat> I am um, similar to Jahangir. I went to my counselor and I said, um, I want to change all my classes from, you know, business economics towards more uh, pre-med based. And um, I also wanted to like kind of sort of get ahead because we know like uh, how much information is being covered uh, in, in medicine. I'm sure there's a lot and in a short span of time. So we basically just wanted to kind of get ahead. So we're not shocked and we're not, you know, new to the, the information we see. But um, <clears throat> one thing that I noticed and also Jahangir noticed is that like the free resources on YouTube, they're like, don't get me wrong, they were good, but some of them were like unorganized and they had no, um, they had no playlists. It was just kind of all over the place. And 
the like premium versions of them, they were very like, they were too expensive for us at the time. So I decided I want to create like a company, a platform uh, for free that can basically um, provide free medical uh, education, sort of like, you know, Khan Academy. And um, yeah, so that's basically, um, that's basically my story, what made me want to pursue medicine. And so, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I love it. Um, I think you guys have a great, you know, foundation. And I love the the vision that you guys have. Um, coming from my background and David's background as well, when we were in graduate school, we both were able to teach anatomy and physiology to college freshmen and sophomores usually. And so we have a heart for teaching and it's a, it's a very unique calling in that um, it takes a special type of person that can take such difficult information to kind of conceptualize that is medicine and portray it in a way that's easy for the students to understand. And so um you know, offering it for free for all of your, um, for all of your viewers and stuff, I think is awesome. Um, so tell me this, you know, this is kind of like, you know, um, medical school interview 101 type of question. Um, what got you guys interested in becoming physicians specifically and not, you know, nurses or PAs or that, like what drew you to becoming a physician? Well, um, I think what drew me to becoming a physician is that, uh, like, I was really interested in the medical field after reading those anatomy physiology book, hands on, because I've always loved doing hands on projects. Um, I've always loved doing the science fairs where you build, like, um, just something, and uh, you just present that. And I just really wanted to do something hands on as a career, and um, I also wanted to do something to where um, I'd have a lot of school and uh, a lot of people don't want to go to like maybe like seven years of school, eight years of school. But uh, me personally, I just love learning. I love learning about the human body. So I wanted something that was going to be difficult, but the end result would also be very satisfying. And I went, I saw physician being a physician and uh, mainly surgery because surgery is the one that's most hands-on. Uh, they're very crafty. Uh, and they also get to see the human organs, the human body. And that's what I really wanted to do. Uh, the, the, because um, being an internal, um, going to internal medicine or pediatrics or uh, family medicine, don't get me wrong, those are very great specialties, very crucial to the medical field. But it was just, I really wanted to see the organ, the, everything that I've studied for, everything or um, in the future, but um, everything that I'd study for, everything that I've uh, I do for medical school, I'd want to see the organ, how it functions, and um, how certain diseases can be affected by it, and um, that's what really swayed me to uh, being a physician or wanting to pursue um, being a physician and uh, surgery mainly. Yeah, and um, that's a great question, and uh, but for me, it had to do with whenever um, I was at the hospital with my father. Um, my dad's neurosurgeon, Dr. Baskin, he's a Houston Methodist. He came up <clears throat> with his staff and um, he handed me this kind of goodie bag, this little toy stethoscope. It was yellow and gray and it had the Methodist logo on it. And then he just kind of handed it to me. And I don't know, he like the way he looked at me, the way he addressed my family and the way that he said, you know, my father's going to be okay. Um, it just really changed my mindset. Like I knew I wanted to do that in the future. And 
I knew that I wanted to, you know, become a physician. And um, yeah, it's basically it. Yeah, both very good answers, you know. And and what they seem to kind of have in common is, you know, you're you're finding a couple of different ways that you can look at medicine too. One, uh, Jahangir, you seem really interested in being able to have that drive, have that intensity and get to that goal. And Erkin, uh, the, the family aspect of that, like how the doctor made you feel, what you want to kind of portray to people, um, those are huge. Uh, medical schools look for that. They want both types of people um, that can that can be incredibly effective and then also compassionate to their patients. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, so another question for you guys, as you're kind of at the upper echelon of high school now, you know, getting ready to make that transition into college, what advice would you have for younger high schoolers that may have this dream of becoming a physician one day? What, what would you say to them? Yeah. Um, that's that's a really good question. Um, uh, many of my uh, classmates they're really playing the GPA game, and that's mostly mostly just taking uh, a, a normal amount of AP classes just to boost their GPA. Which um, I really try to uh, discourage that because um, finding your passion in high school, whether that's engineering, medicine business or law it's very important because once you find your passion once you know what you want to pursue in, uh, as a career then you'll know um what you want to do and it, life will just i well i think life will just be easier if you know what you want to do it's what my dad has always taught me so um i think uh what i'd tell them is try to expose yourself to um different um different fields of medicine different um aspects of um, different aspects of uh, education and just put yourself in that sort of field and um, understand and uh, just learn from your mistakes and learn from what you could learn. Yeah. Um, to add on to that, one of my personal, um, uh, uh, personal advice is I know a couple of friends, one of my some of my closest friends, they, they wanted to pursue medicine and they wanted to become doctors too, but a good amount of them, they're worried about, um, you know, age, you know, you are in, you're studying for a long time. And I believe that the studying never stops. Even whenever you are in attending, you always got to learn. And so my advice would be, you know, to not really, um, to consider it, but don't that be the, the determining factor. I mean, <clears throat> you're going to be 28 anyway. And if you're really uh, happy uh, to really uh, interested in pursuing medicine, why not be 20 and a doctor? So that's my advice. And also um, to add on to Jahangir, take those you know AP classes and expose yourself um, to those, um, to, to the kind of curriculum you will be uh, sh shown in pre-med and uh, to also visit our website. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Perfect plug, perfect plug. Great uh, plug. Yeah, so I totally agree, especially with the age thing. Because that hits home for me and David because we're oh, yeah. both, you know, low-key kind of old, um, but we're considered um, non-traditional students. So I'm 29 years old and I didn't even consider going into medicine until I was three quarters of the way done college. And so it's never too late. Um, I have people in my class 
specifically who are as young as 20 years old and as old as in their mid 40s, almost 50 years old. So age is definitely um, not a factor when it comes to medicine. Whenever you get that spark um, and whenever you know that that's what you want to do, um, I feel like it's never too early and never too late for sure. Yeah, and I'd second that because, you know, uh, for me, I ended up taking a non-traditional route as well. Had to go the long way around because sometimes, you know, your plans, your your ideas of what you think you're going to do end up just going differently because maybe performance isn't quite there or maybe there's other factors that take place. And that happened for me. So Joe and I ended up in the same program and then went on to medical school after that. And I'm 28, so it's uh it's definitely not too late for anyone, especially you know, if you're in your 20s or if you're younger than that or older than that, it's it's not going to be a problem for people to be able to go into medicine. So I like that idea, you know, making sure that that's not the primary thought to have about whether you want to go in or not. It's really, really helpful for people. Hopefully not too many people are are really getting <laughs> turned off to medical school or medicine in general because of that. But, you know, that's definitely an idea out there. So, yeah. 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 And for me too, it's like, um, you guys were talking about first seeing medicine at some aspect. So, you know, reading textbooks or, you know, for whatever circumstance being in the hospital and seeing how it worked and interacting with physicians and nurses, I had a similar thing happen to me where, um, I had some friends that were in nursing school, um, at my undergrad university and I had never been, you know, um, around medicine growing up. I was terrified of the doctor until I was like 16 years old, like terrified of needles, that whole thing. Like if, if 16 year old me knew that I was in medical school right now and two years away from becoming a physician, he would be shocked. Um, like it was just never in the cards. Um, but yeah, like you, you get this, you get this spark and then you're like, wow, I'm really interested in it. And then you find that motivation um, because for me, when I was in undergrad, you know, um, I started off as like a government major. And so I just hated it. It was so boring. I didn't do very well because I didn't like it. But you find that spark, whatever it is, it doesn't even have to be medicine. But once you find that spark and you're like, oh, man, I really do want to study this. I, I'm really interested. Like, how does this work? That's when you can kind of continue to grow and, um, you know, mature and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, guys. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love Medporium. I love the mission, the vision, and um, you guys are definitely off, off on the right track for sure. Thank um, you. so moving on, kind of to our next part, do you guys have any questions um for myself or for David about medical school, anything like that? Yeah. Um. We were wondering, um, since we want to apply to medical school sometime in the future, we we're wondering. What are some uh, things that we could do in college that could make us stand out and um, get into that uh, medical school position besides having a very high MCAT? That's a great question. There's a few. Um, if I were to start, I think that you should prioritize having a high GPA even over the MCAT because sometimes that can really make or break what goes on too. Um, and what that might look like is you might take fewer classes than you might think to, 
in order to get the highest grade in all of them by having enough time to go through and learn that material really well. It might look like taking classes that you know are a little bit easier on the side with your actual coursework for moving you toward medical school so that you can keep things um, solid in that realm. And then there's all sorts of other things too, but you know, making sure that you prioritize having that study time, getting really effective study methods down to help you move forward is a really good set of things. You can also do research. Um, if you can do research, sometimes uh, the, the whole schedule of things that your undergrad will take you through might make it difficult to do research on the side, but if you can, that's a really good idea. And then volunteering. If you have a lot of volunteer hours at a hospital, if you have a lot of shadow hours going and seeing physicians work, going and experiencing things in the hospital that allows you to kind of say on your application, you know, I get what I'm getting into. Um, I don't have any, you know, false ideas about what it really looks like for these people to be acting as doctors, to be acting as nurses, whatever it is you want to do. Um, and I know that that is what I'm suited for. And that is what I want to do. Um, lots of the time medical schools will look at people who haven't quite crystallized their vision for what they really want to do in medicine and say, why would this person really be a good fit for this field over the course of their life? Maybe they just don't think that they'll pan out. And that can really set you apart. If you have a really solid vision, if you have really good experience to go with it, those are super, super helpful. Do you have any other ideas, Joe? Yeah. So um, I was actually thinking about this quite a lot last night because, again, I'm 29. And so I'm pretty far separated from, you know, high, definitely from high school and even from undergrad. And like I mentioned, um, I wasn't even interested in medicine at all until I was three quarters of the way done college. And so I was trying to think like, okay, what, what things did I do in that time that I wasn't interested in medicine that I still believe helped me currently? Um, so some of the things that I wrote down, um, the first is practicing life skills and learning good habits. Um, so some of the things I wrote were waking up early. Don't get into the um, the routine in high school and college in, of staying up really, really late and sleeping until noon. That's a really good habit to have is waking up early and kind of just getting started with your day. Um, another one that is huge for me and like one of my biggest pet peeves is don't be a late person, right? It, you will always meet late people that no matter what it is, no matter what event, class, anything, they are always late. Don't be that person. Um, arrive early to everything. There's even people in my class currently that show up late to class and our professor kind of, you know, chewed them out a little bit the other day saying, look, when you guys get to rotations, your attendings, you know, will rip you to shreds when you're late. So, Again, another good thing to kind of work towards as you're still young in college and stuff, be an early person, not a late person. Um, next is 
people skills, having good eye contact, a good solid handshake, um, and things like that. Along with that, I would also say meet people and talk to as many people as possible. Because one thing that I've seen, and I'm sure David has seen this as well, in terms of medicine and being a physician, everybody is smart. But some people are almost too smart for their own good, and they're not great communicators. And this year, and particularly for me, um, in second year of medical school, we have a lot of standardized patients, which are basically, um, you know, patient actors that, um, you know, you do a whole patient encounter with basically. And we have brilliant people that we work with, but they're not great at talking to people. And so one thing that, you know, I did when I was in college, just talk to a bunch of people and meet people, learn about their different cultures, become a people person. Because as physicians, that is your job is talking to people. It doesn't matter how big your brain is. If you can't get, you know, a fluent history from your patient and you're choked up because you're scared to talk to people, you know, you're not an effective physician. So that's another big one for me is meet lots of people, talk to people, um, you know, eye contact, solid handshake. Next and lastly for me is become trustworthy and reliable. When you meet these people and, um, you know, you guys have this medporium platform, you know, show up to um, things on time, which you guys have, and it's perfect. Um, but when you say something to somebody, you want that person to believe that what you said is true and you're going to do what you said, right? Being trustworthy and reliable. Um, a lot of people at my school, they go a little bit too overboard with extracurricular activities where they're like, oh, I want my resume filled from the top to bottom with a bunch of different things. Um, and they get overwhelmed and then they start flaking out because, oh, I can't do this because I have this instead. Or, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. I know I signed up to do this, but yada, yada, right? So be trustworthy and reliable. When you say you're going to do something, do it. Um, and try not to get overwhelmed. Uh, talking about like medical school applications, I've always heard that it's better to um, have less activities that you're involved in, but be very strong and involved in those fewer things people would rather um, medical school admissions committees would rather see that you did you know two or three things but were super super involved rather than a hundred different things that you kind of just skimmed the surface right um so that's kind of my little spiel the advice that i would give um the one thing that i would also add is I didn't mention anything about academics and the reason is because that kind of stuff comes with time, but um, people skills and learning to talk with people and building those good habits, like waking up early, you know, showing up on time, showing up early, that kind of stuff takes a lot more time. Um, so yeah, that would be my advice. Meet people, experience life, do lots of cool stuff. Um, and the academics will go, along with you. And that's stuff that you definitely pick up along the way. 
if I could add one more thing to that, because everything that Joe is talking about is super applicable. Um, and kind of along that same theme, being the kind of person that is not willing to complain a huge amount about what you're going through will set you apart as a person, both for your peers and for the admissions committee, because it's, it's really easy to kind of get into the, the mindset of like, oh my gosh, like all this stuff, it's piling up, it's happening to me. I have all these assignments, but I also want to spend time with friends and there's a variety of different things going on. Being willing to step back and say, okay, well, I can look at this as a negative experience or I can look at this as a learning experience and moving forward and being that kind of consistent learner that isn't willing to let their circumstances dictate whether they're a positive or negative person, that's super helpful because the culture in medical school um, in some ways has a lot of people that are, are really unhappy with how the coursework goes. And regardless of that, like it, it just makes it very difficult to go through if you don't trust that the system is there for a purpose um, and that it's all going to be okay if everything gets done. So uh, just remember that kind of humility, that kind of character building is super helpful for med school. Yeah, nobody likes a complainer. In medical school and in college, you know, everybody's in the same boat. You know, we get it. You know, I uh, I hear people around campus, you know, in my class complaining and they're like, oh, my gosh, I had so much stuff to do today. And I didn't even get to look at the lectures from today until like three o'clock in the morning. And I'm running on like an hour of sleep. Sorry, nobody cares. We're all doing yep. the same thing. So just having just embracing it and having a good attitude will get you miles ahead of everybody else. Um, and when you have a good attitude, people kind of are drawn towards you. And so they'll reach out to you for help. Hey, how did you do this? What did you do here? Like, why are you so happy when I am so miserable? Um, but yeah, nobody likes a complainer. Everybody's in the same boat. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see what else, um, any other questions that you guys have just about medical school, anything on your mind? Um, <clears throat> you guys mentioned, um, you know, uh, Joe, you mentioned amazing habits. Um, it's really good advice. Even me personally, I did some of those things and, you know, now I, I get this information. I want, and you mentioned academic habits and I, I know you said it, it comes with experience, but what advice do you have for <clears throat> like high school students and like pre-med students who uh, want to build up their, um, their uh, academic success? Yeah, I would say um, having a good schedule. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that I do every single day in medical school is build my schedule. And I think that that actually helps me academically. And so when you get to medical school, you have so much information to cover, you kind of have to plan it out. And so I feel like if you're able to plan out your day and you say, okay, I'm going to do this at this time, this at this time, staying on track is half of the battle because with such a massive amount of information, 
if you didn't have a plan and you just sat down and you're like, okay, where do I even begin? So part of being strong academically is having a plan and knowing how to attack that information. I would say in terms of high school students, um, you know, wanting to go into medicine, I would say, try to push yourselves a little bit and, um, do some research on your own because, um, it can help you learn more difficult material. So an example I would give would be to maybe, um, find a topic that you're interested in and look up a research article about it. And at first it might be really, really difficult to read because you're like, man, I'm not so sure about this, but take your time and go through the paper. And if you don't know something, look it up and, and figure out what this means and, you know, learn about the pathophysiology behind whatever it's talking about and kind of just go at that at your own pace. Um, and I feel like that could be something really helpful um, just to kind of grow your chops a little bit in terms of practicing understanding difficult material, because once you are better at that, it comes a lot easier. And so you're able to absorb difficult information faster once you have kind of a foundation. But David, what would you say? Oh, I don't hundred percent agree with everything that you said. Um, if I were to add something to it, I might just say, if you're worried about whether you're going to have some trouble learning things, but you want like a resource that would be helpful for learning how to learn. There's a couple of books. Um, one's called Make It Stick and another is called A Mind for Numbers. They're both by a group of researchers that basically go through and, and lay down really effective learning techniques, both for college and into medical school, just general style stuff um, that can be very, very helpful. Um, so I would read those if you're, if you're interested, but also, uh, just as a habit thing, giving yourself a checklist, um, just the most basic thing <laughs> for time management is super helpful. And then if you're trying to think of how to learn something, being willing to lay aside the notes or take the notes that you've written out for yourself and totally cover them up and see how much of it you could spit back out either by talking it through um, or by laying it out on a whiteboard, something like that, that forces you to kind of think through stuff and be able to, you know, recall it. That's that kind of stuff is incredibly helpful, whether you're in high school, you're in college or right now in medical school, that's literally all I do to study is lay out um, whether or not I know something from a slide, uh, having covered it up, and it 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 helps like nothing you could ever think of. So that kind of stuff where you practice, practice, and practice more. For sure, I'd also add, um, you know, with your platform that is Medporium, and kind of getting into the medical education side of things, um, a really helpful technique that I use um, sometimes is called the Feynman technique. And what that is, is um, teaching the material to somebody else. <laughs> the thing that I like about that is if you're studying, you don't necessarily have to be like, hey, mom, come here and let me teach you about, you know, this organic organic chemistry pathway. Like it's, it's more of a, a mindset thing where if I'm looking at a slide, um, like a PowerPoint slide, I'm like, okay, how would I explain this to somebody else? 
And so I'll sit there and I just think about it. I would say, okay, I would probably say, you know, this and this and this. So it doesn't have to be, you know, necessarily a physical thing that you do, but more of a, a way of thinking about the slides. Um, but again, you know, we're all four of us here are teachers at nature. And so I think that that technique is really helpful for uh, learning information as well. Absolutely. Definitely. We've definitely used that. Um, I remember for uh, AP biology, I used, I made um, Anki cards that were basically like open-ended questions that I'd actually pretend that I was like a professor and teaching <laughs> people. So like, for example, one of the questions was, uh, what is the uh, so what is the pathway of cellular respiration? And then I'd go on my whiteboard and then I'd draw it out and I'd like explain it as if I was a professor talking to my students. And yeah, we definitely use the fame in this technique. I think that's the I think that's what what also drove us to creating Medporium, just teaching, because uh, we learned that when you teach other people, you learn it just as more. So it's just a mutual benefit. I'm, uh, I'm glad you guys mentioned that. That's one of Medporium's um, basic uh, principles, basic ideas. You know, if you can teach it, <clears throat> then uh, then you, you can learn it basically uh, again. And so um, I really enjoyed making the, the skeletal system videos with, with, and I had a hard time specifically with bone remodeling. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's very complex in my opinion. And so I am, um, I, I looked at all these videos, I read the textbooks, and then first I explained it to, you know, my friends that had no idea what was going on. And then like people who are interested in you know, business and finance and economics. And so I explained that to them and they kind of understood it. And then I went home and I, I used the whiteboard technique. I just kind of wrote everything down that I could, you know, regurgitate uh, off the top of my memory, <clears throat> you know, with active recall. But, and then, yeah, so we enjoy the finding technique too. And I'm glad you guys mentioned that. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And, you know, here we try to think of like the big picture a lot too. And so using that technique, you know, when you're studying by yourself, when you're trying to teach something that's so difficult, right? You need to, in your own mind, process the difficult information and then spit it back out in a way that's easy for everybody to understand, right? As a physician, you do the exact same thing every single day in talking to patients. And one thing that we get um, like in OSCE type stuff and in the standardized patient interactions, you will always lose points when you use medical lingo with your patients because, you know, patients aren't all physicians or all in the medical field. And so that's a super useful technique to practice at your young age is taking difficult information and learning how to explain it in an easy way, because it's so useful when you get to medical school and you actually start talking to patients. And that's another part that brilliant people get tripped up with when they talk to their patients, because they've never tried to explain this difficult technique in layman's terms. They could explain it you know, to other medical people and we would know exactly what they're saying. But, um, you know, yesterday I had to, I had a standardized patient and I had to explain what heart failure was to them. It's like, man, how do you do that to a normal person? And so I think that that is again, a really useful technique to have and something, um, that comes with time and to com continue to work on is taking difficult information. And how do I explain this to normal people so that they can understand? Very, very handy to have. 
Joe's absolutely correct about that. Um, just being able to describe things as if you were talking to a four-year-old, for instance, because as a physician, you know, even if you're a surgeon, you might be seeing like a four-year-old come into your clinic and try to figure out how to help them understand things. Great technique, great, great thing to be able to do. So. Yeah. So, um, what else, any other questions that you guys have for us? Anything you want to talk about? Um, I think we have uh, one more question. We wanted to get yeah. your opinion over uh, European uh, uh, medical schools because uh, we've been researching before. We've uh, found out that we can go from high school to uh, medical school if we go to Europe, and it would just be six years, which would basically be two years off of um, education. And the uh, main reason why we want to do that is um, so we can get to our end goal, which is just uh, becoming physicians, becoming surgeons. So um, we wanted to get your opinion on that. Uh, would you recommend that? Would you uh, sort of uh, think of that as a option? We just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, for me, my immediate reaction is that I loved college in the United States so much. And I think that I'll be a better physician one day because of it. And um, it's it's time that you don't necessarily, for me, want to miss, right? Again, you meet so many amazing people. You have so much to learn and um, experience while you're there. Um, I know you guys are in Texas. And so if you go to big time Texas universities, like, you know, going to a football game with all of your friends and stuff. And, you know, those are experiences that once you're an attending physician one day, you might not be able to get back. Um, and th things that I did in college and in graduate school, I cherish so much. Um, and so it's things that I wouldn't want you guys to miss. And um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that there should necessarily be such a huge rush jumping into trying to be a physician because um, you reach the end goal so quickly and then you're like, man, now what? Um, but yeah, David, what do you think? You know, I think that I'd echo that, um, but I also kind of want to look at it from just the practical approach to the, the schools in Europe. Um, some of them are very, very effective at making sure that you can practice in the States. And I, I think that you guys are wanting to practice in the States. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So some of them are very good at making sure that you can come and practice in the States and others of them are less so. So there's that. But also, I think that something that's really interesting about having the four years or, you know, sometimes you can do things in three years if you'd like to. Um, there's always summer terms where you can take extra courses so you can lower the amount of um, time that you're spending in undergrad if you'd like to do that. Uh, but one of the things that's really helpful about having that extra time is that you can learn things more effectively by taking extra time to understand them and having those, that extra time might actually help you as a physician because you've kind of gotten through a really effective, um, round, you know, of going over information that will be foundational in medical school and then as a physician. But also, you know, there are um, stepping programs where you take your undergrad and as long as you have a certain GPA, you can be admitted to the medical school in three or four years and have 
technically done like part of a first year medical school curriculum and then move on to second year like that. So you can you can accomplish the same type of thing that you're talking about, but still have, you know, a little bit of extra time, um, have ease of getting residency slots because American residencies will prioritize students from American schools. Mm. That's just how it works. Um, there are some problems um, sometimes if you do an international program, not always, um, but with some of them. So I would just take that into consideration to be mindful of kind of some of those realities that might make things a little bit more difficult for you in the future if you try to do something like that. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to discourage you guys from doing something that would allow you to be physicians in the time that you'd like to do, to be, um, one of the things that we, that Joe and I really love about being in a medical school is that it is, you know, difficult, but exactly what we want to be doing. Um, and yeah, so we want, we want to just make sure that you guys know that there are multiple paths to get to medical school and to become a physician and, you should think about them and weigh them and find the one that works the best for you. Yeah, for sure. It's like, as soon as you step outside of the United States and hope to match there again, one day you're instantly tagged as an IMG an international medical grad. doesn't matter where you go. As soon as you step outside of the United States, you're an IMG. Um, and with the, the lofty ambition that you guys have, it would definitely make it a lot harder to get back and, and into, to match into surgery, um, and that kind of stuff, because your counterparts that, you know, um, especially going back to like Texas, cause Texas has like its own, you know, it's really hard to match into Texas. It and is. so people that are your same age right now that go to, you know, say Baylor for their four years of undergrad, go to medical school in Texas, and then they're also applying to surgery you know, they will automatically get priority. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that, and I not think, I know that you guys have great heads on your shoulders. And I know that if you decided to, you'll get into amazing schools anywhere in the United States, you'll get into a top, top tier medical school. Um, and doing that would make reaching those types of goals much easier. Um, if you guys were like, yeah, you know, I just am very passionate about family medicine. Like that is my goal. That is my dream. I would have no issues saying, dude, do it, go somewhere, go live in England for like six years. That would be so awesome. Um, but it is that little bit of a red flag with, you know, the, the difficulty of matching into like orthopedic surgery and CT surgery, that kind of stuff. It would be a little bit more difficult. But again, David and I here are not one to, you know, shoot down any anybody's plans, live your dream um, as long as, you, you know, you do your research and on that kind of stuff. Yeah. What, what do you guys think of that? How do you can you walk me through like the thought process? Uh, is it is it mostly just a time frame thing or is it is are there other <laughs> factors that you're interested in? in the uh the european schools that you were looking at um so yeah one of the biggest um uh reasons is that time factor 
Um, but also some some of the schools, you know, end up becoming a little bit more cheaper, you know, if, if you go that way, that route. And um, <clears throat> for example, my father, he, he went to med, stu- uh, med school outside of the United States. And so <clears throat> uh, where, where he grew up. Yeah. And so he went straight out of high school into medical school and, you know, finished it in six years. And he said it was, you know, he was very thankful for that because it was able to just, you know, get there earlier and, um, you know, allow him to save money. And, but yeah, I think the time factor is probably one of the biggest, biggest factors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely the time factor. And, um, yeah, we just really want to be uh, surgeons or uh, become physicians as fast as we can. But um, after what uh, Joe said about the experiences we might miss, I feel like um, that's kind of changing my mind. And as well as if we want to come back to the States, it would be better if, like, for example, if we wanted to match the Tex- uh, Texas Medical Center, which is one of the big biggest medical complexes in the in nation. If we wanted to match there, it would be better if we went to Baylor than uh, say, uh, some European medical school. So yeah, the uh, main reason why it's time factor and the tuition is, uh, much more cheaper in the, uh, the, uh, international medical schools. Yeah. It's, it's funny to me too, because, um, when you're thinking about medical school, you, you also have to think about life, right? And once you're a physician, like, you also just live your life. Physicians are normal people too with families and everything. And it's funny um, when you guys were talking about going, you know, straight out of high school into medical school. And I immediately thought, I'm like, man, I personally, I could have never done that because you two are way more mature than I was at, you know, 17, 18 years old. Um, (laughs) If I did that, your boy would have flunked out immediately. Um, and so if you guys do choose to go that route, I have no doubt that you would be successful. Um, but just from my perspective, you know, I'm a big life guy. Like I want to, you know, live my life, you know, wife and kids and have a nice house with the backyard and the two dogs and that kind of stuff. Um, because I don't necessarily want to devote my entire life to medicine. Um, but that's your passion. Um, and so again, you guys have great heads on your shoulders, and I know whatever decision you, you guys end up making will be the right one. Agreed. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so what else? Anything else that you guys want to talk about before we uh, kind of wrap this up? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I don't really have any more questions. I mean, all the questions that we've asked are the biggest questions that we want to ask any medical student. We've always been uh, confused on whether we should go international or not, uh, how hard, how difficult medical school would be, how we can stand out. So, uh, yeah, I think that's all. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really grateful for you guys for, you know, giving this information to us. And, you know, I'm sure you guys would have enjoyed, you know, probably seeing this video whenever you were our age and, me personally, I would love, I would have, I love to see this video and you know, uh, see what's going on in the aspects of you know med school and all these um, habits you gave us. And really, really grateful for that. For sure, yeah. Um, <clears throat> we definitely appreciate you guys being here. Again, we love Medporium. The vision, mission are amazing. We think that you guys are going to do great, great things one day. Um, so I guess we'll end it here. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, this will be on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere that you can get a podcast. And this will also be available on YouTube 
um, as the video if you want to see um, our nice, beautiful faces um, instead of just listening by itself. Um, so for us, um, we're the Biomed Bros. You can follow us at the Biomed Bros on pretty much every social media platform. Um, again, YouTube included. Um, Medporium guys, you want to tag all of your stuff? Yeah, um, you can find us uh, at Medporium. We are on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And um, also, we have a Patreon, Medporium. And uh, once again, you know, if, if you guys want to get a head start on and spread out that curriculum for med school, uh, feel free to visit our website, medporium.org. Yeah. Amador, <laughs> they make you a doctor someday. There you go. Amen, brother. Amen. I got about <laughs> nine or 10 Pomodoros waiting for me later on today. So, <laughs> and me too, actually. So. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, guys. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. We really enjoyed it. And uh, all the, yeah, nice. all the best in the future. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you so much. For having us.